On this episode of the Concast, I'm going to talk about learning from my mistakes. where we discuss all things health, wellness, and injuries in an attempt to better understand the human body. This is episode 121 and episode number one of season number four of the podcast. So I'd like to welcome everyone back. I hope that you enjoyed your break and your holiday. I certainly did. And looking to get back into the swing of things for the new year. And I thought for this episode, one of the most popular episodes that I have done in all of the 121 episodes of this show was actually episode number six. And in episode number six, I talked about therapist burnout and how to avoid burnout or how I try to avoid re-burning out, for lack of a better word, after many years of going through the, this roller coaster of undulating or through burnout, rather. And so I thought that kind of a follow-up episode to that looking back on some of the mistakes that I've made and maybe learning from them might be of value to people that are self-employed, even people that are going through a career or career change. I think there might be value for really everyone here because I think my quote-unquote mistakes might not be that dissimilar from mistakes that many people make, whether that be in relationships, career, life in general, etc., So due to the fact that that was a really popular episode, and this is something that I've been thinking about, you know, many people at the start of a new year set intentions for that year, New Year's resolutions, whatever you want to call them. Some people are for those. Some people are against them. I'm kind of for them. I think it's an opportunity for you to sit down and reflect. And even if you don't hit all of those goals, So often we get caught up in the hustle and bustle of life that we don't maybe necessarily sit down and prioritize ourselves and what we truly want as much as as possible. So I'm kind of for the the New Year's resolution or the goal setting. It doesn't have to be at the start of the year, but throughout the course of the year. And so the purpose of this episode is to kind of reflect back on mistakes that I've made and hopefully people that are about to approach these certain milestones within their career or their life, or maybe they're making a life decision, can maybe learn something from it. Um, The reality of it is, is that being a therapist, being an adult really is, or a human, it's hard. There's a lot of things that go on in our day-to-day life that are stressful. And I certainly don't claim to have all of the answers here, but I hope that there's some value, like I said earlier, for someone in this episode. The concept of mistakes and regret associated with mistakes is a really interesting one to me. A lot of people, when you talk to them and you ask them, do you have any regrets or do you have any mistakes you would like back? A lot of people say, no, I don't regret anything. It made me the person that I did today or it made me the therapist that I did today or the, you know, got me to this career step. And I don't necessarily 100% agree or disagree with that. 
I think for me, the the answer somewhere lies in the middle. There are probably things that if I reflect on back in my life, I'd rather not have done. I can say that everything has made me the way that I am today, but if I'm being honest, there are probably a few things that I'd like to have back, like everybody. The other realization that is important here is that you're never not going to make mistakes. Mistakes are a part of the process, and often learning and growing comes from the mistakes that we've made, and this is obviously an important part of developing, whether that's being a therapist, a partner, in your career, in your hobby, in your sport. Mistake-making is a integral part of learning, growing, and becoming a better person. So I think when a lot of people give that answer of, I don't regret anything, it's from that lens of mistake-making as part of being a human. Ultimately, finding that balance is key and that balance is really a reflection of everyone leading themselves or looking for happiness whatever that looks like for that individual person happiness is an incredibly specific thing to a person and there's been a lot of research trying to look at measurable metrics of happiness whether it be money or material things and really what makes one individual happy might not necessarily make another person happy And we also know that the number of things that you have doesn't necessarily make you more happy. We also know that the, you know, exponentially at a certain point, the more money that you make doesn't necessarily make you you happy. So this search for happiness is something that I reflect on a lot. And the longer that I've been working and the older that I get, the more that I reflect on what happiness means to me. This process is never ending and always dynamic. And for me, it's something that I think about maybe too much, particularly in recent years, but really trying to understand why do I do the things that I do, whether that be in my career or my life, and what is it that I'm really chasing, if you will. And further to that, is chasing that thing even necessary anymore? Let's start with some of these categories of mistakes that I've made, and I'll just tell you a few stories about relating to these mistakes and then how do I sort of see things now. The first is kind of what I just discussed and that's being too focused on the end goal, whether that be or the end in general rather than the journey. The reality of it is that I have learned now the hard way is that there is no end to this. One of the things that this came to light through is I had a very specific financial goal that I was chasing throughout my career. And it was to be at a certain place financially by the age of 40. And I hit that goal at 39 years old. And an interesting thing happened when I hit that goal. You'd think that I'd be really, really happy, motivated, proud of myself, And honestly, the complete opposite to that happened. I became incredibly demotivated. I became less happy. I didn't really understand what I was to do next. I felt complacent. I felt all of the things that I didn't think that I would feel after hitting probably the most successful, largest milestone goal in my life. 
And so this sent me down this path of, okay, well, I've just achieved this and it really hasn't led to what I thought it would lead to. So what is it now that I have to kind of reflect on? And this leads me to my kind of next mistake and maybe one of my biggest mistakes is I believe that I am far too goal-oriented. And I mean, goals are good to have, but maybe too many goals are not good to have. Too many goals can create overwhelm. Too many goals can create lack of specificity and focus. Too many goals can create stress. Too many goals can cause you to not appreciate whether it be people or things uh, in your life. For example, I started in clinical practice at 25, started being self-employed at 25, and I would say that for the better part of the first 10 years of my practice, my social life was very much on the back burner to build businesses and make money. And while that has secured me some financial success and financial security, and I am thankful for that, looking back, there are definitely times where I didn't go out, I didn't go to family members' weddings, even, and this is bizarre saying this, but for the first easily five years I was in practice, I worked every holiday. So Labor Day, Thanksgiving weekend, the only holiday that I would have taken off was Christmas Day and Boxing Day. And I worked all of those days because I thought that I needed to to achieve these goals. And obviously, in retrospect, that's certainly not the case. And when I say that out loud to myself and to others, I understand sort of the the lunacy around it. But I was just too goal-oriented to be able to step outside of myself and understand that that was a, a mistake that I was making and people would always point it out to me and I wouldn't really pay much attention to it. Understanding first, number one, that there is no end to this journey and that can often be quite comforting because then you're not searching, searching, searching. And then number two, being too goal-oriented and understanding that along the way you need to be able to appreciate your hard work. Number three, and maybe the most difficult for me to overcome is being too self-critical. This is certainly not just myself that is too self-critical. I mean, our brains have a tendency to be a little bit hardwired toward the negative. A lot of what is out there right now, whether that be in, in media or what people talk about, that can also be negative and that can fuel things. We also know that things like the advent of social media really changed the landscape of how particularly people communicate and people compare themselves to other people on the internet. And I am not immune to that as well. So one of the things that I've done that has just happened recently is, and this has been incredibly helpful for me, is I don't really consume social media anymore uh, as much as I just go on it to check notifications for my businesses and the stuff that I've posted quickly. I don't scroll and then I, I log off and I do that, you know, every once a day or every couple of days. I've also deleted all social media apps from my phone. And so I don't have that automatic urge that we all know we have now to pick up our phone and scroll through these apps. 
and that for me has been really, really helpful. And I understand that, you know, maybe not everyone wants to do that and people enjoy social media and people definitely have a right to do that. And maybe your area of being too self-critical isn't necessarily comparing others on social media, but it may be comparing where you're at in life in terms of relationship and family. It may be where you're at in terms of your job or maybe you'd like to be further along in a sport if you're an athlete and you're struggling to make a team. You know, the truth to the saying that we are our own worst enemies is very, it's very, very revealing in that throughout the course of the day, we will say much more negative to ourselves than often we will say things that are positive. And so having some type of intent with respect to looking at what you've accomplished throughout the day, the week, the month, the year, getting together with friends and family and talking about what they have accomplished or even just list making can be incredibly helpful in shifting things away from being too self-critical. The other thing that I've come to learn is that this much of what our self-talk is, is just simply not true. The idea that, you know, you're not good enough or you're not successful. I mean, everybody has bumps in the road and understanding that no one on planet Earth that is a human is immune to the fact that they are going to be self-critical. Everybody is self-critical, whether you look at the most successful people in the world, a lot of the people that you might look to in social media or that have this certain degree of success. Everybody has a tendency to be self-critical at times. And uh, one of the past episodes that I have done as well that was quite uh, well consumed was the episode on imposter syndrome. And this idea that the more successful we become, often the more self-critical we become. And there's that really interesting juxtaposition between those two things. We're becoming more successful And so we're obviously doing things right and well, but we become more negative in terms of our self-talk towards ourselves. If we can step back with these comparisons as hard as it is and try and offer some time throughout the day where we can calm ourselves and reflect on the positive and be open and honest about it as well, because I think often speaking with friends or what have you to help reframe things the people that know you well can often be really valuable in in calming down that negative self-talk that is number three which is being too self-critical now number four is kind of an interesting one and that's not having enough hobbies so i grew up an athlete played a number of sports throughout my teens and early 20s when I became kind of entrenched in building a business, I let a lot of the athletics go and I still maintained an active lifestyle. But I also didn't really pick up or pursue new hobbies. And I always say to people, I'm really good at one thing and not very good at anything else. So I'm really good at you know, education, the human body, anatomy, injury, something that I'm passionate about. And I find that I'm reasonably good at it but anything else I'm not very good at. Part of that is my own fault for not picking up hobbies and understanding that there is an enjoyment in the process of learning, which I know because I am a lifelong learner and I'm a teacher. But sometimes we don't want to 
pick up things that we're not necessarily good at because it's frustrating, or we simply get lost in too goal-oriented, as I mentioned earlier, and we don't have an opportunity to find enjoyment in other things or even search for things that we enjoy. And I'll have this conversation sometimes with the people that I see and just kind of like, what do you do for fun? And and many people are in a similar position to myself where they don't necessarily do things for fun. They work, come home, and then they work again, or they work on building their business. And more recently, I've made a purposeful effort to try and look at different things and look and lean back into certain hobbies. You know, one of the things that I do enjoy doing is cooking, so cooking more. Oddly enough, the other day I was just sanding a, a desk for downstairs, and I'm not a very handy person. I'm, I wouldn't consider myself uh, by any means, uh, you know, able to build things or what have you, but just this process of sanding this desk was quite enjoyable and meditative and, you know, cool to learn and cool to see a product that you make out of nothing come to life. And so that was really sort of interesting to be able to do that and really, really fun. And it sounds mundane and boring, but looking at what those hobbies are or interests are that you may have had in the past or something that you've been looking at and just putting off can really help you in other ways of your life and your business. Number five is an add-on to that and that's not really basking in the accomplishments that you have achieved and I think that a lot of this again has to do with sort of this cultural if you want to call it hustle culture, um, this idea that you have to keep moving towards that end goal, whatever that end goal is, and you can't sit and enjoy the things that you've accomplished. This is something, again, that I've not been good at throughout my career. I would often just be on to the next thing, whether that be speak at a conference for the first time, treat a professional athlete for the first time, build out a course for the first time, work at a school for the first time, get a new job at a new school. None of these were, I was great at looking at what I've accomplished, looking back and reflecting on where where I've been. I'm too focused on moving forward. It's just kind of like, okay, that's done. What's next? And I think that at times it's okay to say, wow, that was pretty cool. And sitting for a few days or having a dinner with family or friends or even posting it to social media or doing a write-up on it or bragging about it even to a certain degree. There's nothing necessarily wrong with that. I think that sometimes people might not want to tell people about their accomplishments and fear that that might put other people down or other people look at that uh, in a negative light. But I think that if you're surrounded by people that care about you, they will be proud of you. And looking at enjoying some of those accomplishments and even making it purposeful, looking back on your day, whether that is every day or every few days or every week and looking at what have I done today that I'm proud of or what have I done today that's accomplished a particular goal or did I start the day off in a really tough position now I'm feeling better? You know, a lot of the time that in and of itself 
is accomplishing something. So taking an opportunity to get together with friends, making a conscious effort of looking at your accomplishments, reflecting back on how far you've come. I'm sure there are a lot of people that look at where they were five years ago or 10 years ago and are much happier in where they're at, whether that's career relationships, etc. And this by no means means that there aren't things that need to be worked on presently. It's just having that ability to go back and have that self-reflection, I think, is has been really, really valuable for me. This has also allowed me to get to a better place with my next point, which is not having a great work-life balance. And I think that's what episode number six was really about when we're trying to look at avoiding burnout. You know, work-life balance, particularly in a self-employed career, is really, really important for your longevity. A lot of the times you have to plan it ahead of time, whether that's the start of the year, biannually, um, every quarter, forcing yourself to put time aside in your calendar where you are going to take time off and maybe you're not doing anything during that time off. Maybe you're sitting home, catching up around the house. Maybe you're taking a day trip. Maybe you're taking a trip outside of the province. I know some people at the start of the year, they will plan three day trips, one out of province but within the country trip and then one international trip. And obviously everybody's in different circumstances, but you may say, okay, once a quarter, I'm going to take a long weekend and I'm not going to do anything on that long weekend, but I'm just going to take care of myself or enjoy time with my family or friends. That conscious effort for me has helped because I have to do that. Um, Maybe you're a person that can be a bit less rigid in that and just sort of regularly take time off. You also have to do what works for you. I traditionally don't take a lot of, say, weeks off or two weeks off, but I'll take a lot of half days, long weekends, extra long weekends, or short weeks. And I think this is something I will be the first to admit that I'm still not very good at. I am better than I was, but I definitely need to be better at taking sustained periods of time off. And if I told you the number of actual weeks I've taken off in the 16 years of being a self-employed therapist. You probably wouldn't believe me. But in this self-reflection process, I understand that when I take time off, I am less likely to burn out and I enjoy things a little bit more. And when I come back, I'm better able to serve the people that I help in my practice and better able to serve my students. And I'm a little bit more creative in terms of the content that I can produce in terms of teaching and the podcast and blogging, etc. So number six, not having a great uh, work-life balance. Number seven, and this is one, it's not necessarily a mistake, but it's just something that I wish I had, and that is not seeking uh, mentorship, particularly early in my career. There is a balancing act to all of this, whether that be self-employment, work-life balance, finances, navigating a career, job opportunities, career opportunities, moving, all of these things will be presented to us, maybe some more than others. And when I was first starting in practice, there wasn't a ton of mentorship um, that was available 
whether it be online, virtually, or regionally. I, I mean, in the last five years especially, it's become much more available. Now, the caveat to that is, unfortunately, because of the way the online business world is, some of the mentors haven't necessarily done the particular work or been along the trajectory that they're claiming they've, they have been, but that's a topic for a, another conversation. A lot of what I have learned in building business has simply come from the fact that I was a young therapist, 25 years old, running a business, having to learn through many, many mistakes of what works, what doesn't, and scaling a business and continuing to learn through those mistakes. And so one of the reasons and the genesis for everything that I do is to try to help offer value to people in whatever space they're at. Some of this might be a clinical path, giving people just how I see certain injuries or how I see certain presentations in the clinic and maybe someone that's coming up or even someone that's seasoned hasn't maybe thought about a particular uh, thing that I have mentioned in the podcast and that helps them. Or um, people that are looking at career changes or looking at the context of their business and how they want to operate it, additional revenue streams, that type of thing. I like to offer that to people because it's something that I have had a hard time finding as well as it's been you know, really, really stressful in navigating that particular part of my career. So if you are in a circumstance where you have questions, reach out to somebody, whether that is a paid mentorship, whether that is sitting down for a coffee with a therapist that is a little bit more seasoned uh, than you, if it's a clinical case, maybe suggesting that therapists in the clinic get together for a grand round style workshop where all these therapists get together talking about, say, knee pain, and each therapist gives their particular take on it. And that's often a, a great opportunity for many people to learn from different people at varying skill sets. Whether that is reaching out to someone like myself if you have a question and just bouncing ideas off of that. I'm always open to having discussions there about anything to do with uh, business uh, or the, the therapy industry in particular. So making sure that if you are looking to change careers or you know make a big shift in your business or you're coming out of school, you're a new therapist, that you find someone that can offer you some guidance and try to limit mistakes as best as possible, even though this is completely unavoidable and we recognize that. A good mentor will be able to simply give you neutral advice on both sides of the spectrum and allow you to make the decision yourself because ultimately, whatever decision you make, and I say this to people over and over again, whatever decision you make is the right decision and you have to be okay with that. You want to try to hold on to regrets as minimal as possible and say, look, if I'm going to take this job, this is the right decision for me. It's the right decision because it's the one that I'm making and then moving forward with that. The last one, and this is kind of a little bit tongue in cheek, is you're not that important. And this is something that uh, I really have to kind of laugh when I tell myself that I'm not that important. And what I mean by this 
is that so much of our time, particularly as therapists, is spent taking care of other people. And for the longest time, I would not do any of these things that I've talked about throughout the course of this podcast because I was so focused on my clinical practice. And I thought that if I took a day off, the phone would stop ringing or if I took two weeks off, no one would come back to me. Or if I didn't, quote unquote, uh, help a person with their pain or their their injury, that my whole practice would fall apart. And I know from talking to whether that be seasoned practitioners or people in the industry that that is not an atypical feeling. Many people, even though they've been in practice for a very long time, still feel that. And so what I've done is I kind of joke with myself. And when I feel myself feeling that type of way again, I simply tell myself, look, I'm not that important. I can take two days off, two weeks off, a month off. When I get back, people will be there. And they will find some help in the meantime if they need to, or I can arrange for that. And I need to prioritize myself. Also with the understanding that, like I said earlier, in prioritizing myself I'm able to come back to practice refreshed able to better serve people I know that I'm more creative I know that I'm ultimately a better person and so that is my last mistake overvaluing my importance and understanding or maybe not even overvaluing but not understanding what my importance is and I mean if I'm here to help people and offer value to people in terms of education, I need to be taking care of myself uh, first. And I don't think that's necessarily untrue for, for many of us. So my question for you this week is, what mistakes have you made along the way in your career or your business or personal life that you would maybe like another shot at? Or maybe you have realized it now and you're working on it and what has worked for you? I'd love to know in the comments below. As always, folks, I hope that you found this episode to be of value to you. Have yourselves a great weekend, and we will see you in the next one.